0: Hello and welcome to The Monocle Weekly, I'm Laura Kramer. On today's show, I speak to Craig Gillespie, the director of the new dark comedy Dumb Money. It's the retelling of a true story of a YouTuber who took on Wall Street with the GameStop stock craze. Craig explains his personal connection to the subject, why he keeps being drawn to biographical storytelling, and what it's like to promote a film without its stars due to the Hollywood strikes. But first, Craig explains the premise of the film.
1: This is a, it's, I guess you could say it's a David and Goliath story. It's about the little person going up against the one percenters. In this case, it's Wall Street and hitting them where it hurts, which is the wallet. Um, it's, it was a, it's this wild ride where a lot of people made a lot of money and a lot of people lost a lot of money. It's unusual for me that I've in the past I've done a lot of needle drops. You know, like I, I Tanya and Corella, they both have about 50 songs in them. This one, it has some really strong songs in it, but there's maybe like, you know, eight. And there's about an hour of score, which I don't usually do. But there's such a pressure cooker to this. It's such an intense ride that I really wanted a score that could do that.
0: I loved it Stallion, Cardi B yes. so good so fun. Yeah. Kendrick um, Lamar. Kendrick Lamar, that's yeah. right. It's really fun. Now, this is a very ensemble cast. How did you kind of navigate that because it's not like they have very many scenes together, but when they do, you've got these big stars. How do you balance star power and also letting each person have their own space? It
1: was there was it was not the intention to have this have the amazing cast that we were so lucky to get. It just started, you know, methodically, we started with Keith Gill, who's the main character in this, and Paul Dano was the first person I thought of. I mean, he's such a versatile actor. There's this this vulnerability to him and this intelligence that we really needed for that character. Uh, Seth Rogen, I called. I just had done Pam and Tommy with him, and we had the opportunity to play him against type, which is always fun. He plays Pluck and the hedge fund guy. It's, you wouldn't think it necessarily Seth Rogen is the hedge fund guy. <laughs> and that was amazing. Pete Davidson I've been uh, trying to do a project with. We were attached to a film we almost did together. I got to call him, and he jumped right in. So it just kept Sebastian Stan, who I've done several projects with. Uh, he jumped in. Um, I, I got incredibly fortunate, and I think partly too because we're jumping around between so many characters it helps to, that they're recognizable in a way so you can keep track of them um, America Ferreira was not on my radar but she really championed for it and Mary Vanue, our casting director put us together and made such a great conversation and she has such a like an integrity and a, and a fierceness in that character that was so necessary It was a hard character for us to, to cast because she carries so much weight in the film and she did such a beautiful job with it
0: she really did. I loved her in yeah. it, and I thought it was so powerful to be, first of all, brought back to the pandemic days, the deep pandemic days. And you touched on so many important issues.
1: It's a. It was such an intense moment, COVID, and it was prof- it profoundly changed. I think a whole society, and it was a way that people there was forced to have a pause on life. They had to really reevaluate their priorities, the balance of work and uh, you know life. Uh, the intensity of, of losing loved ones of losing jobs, small businesses, the lack of government aid that was happening. and there was this incredible awareness of the disparity of wealth that's going on in America and like everywhere, really. And that frustration all managed to channel itself into this stock. It's like it could have been something else. there were other things going on at the time like I think the, the next month was the Black Lives Matter movement, which again is such a such a, a social protest and such a you know such a advocate of change and this was a, another way that people were trying to do do this and it's the frustration at, at a system that feels like, like again rigged inherently against the every person that's what they went after and to be able to they hit wall street where it hurts which is their wallets and also make money on the side was just such a win-win for everyone
0: and it changed Wall Street ever since going forward. It
1: has, and it's like it's like we want to be careful too. It's like there were winners and losers on both sides of this. Is it was a complicated, emotional journey, uh, but it really did. It really has made an impact on Wall Street. There's a line at the end of the film which I love, which is, uh, you know, it used to be considered a fringe movement, the, the Reddit uses, and now it's like they've shown they have the power to move markets, and they have to be, you know, they taken seriously. 85% of hedge funds now watch social platforms to see what's happening with their shorts. Uh, yeah, so it's definitely impacted in that way. The thing that didn't make an impact, unfortunately, was at Congress. And the hope was to like, show some of that outrage and frustration in this film that it hopefully activates more change.
0: Why do you think that you keep being drawn to kind of biographical films and films that things that have happened? What is it about I'm this? Not,
1: it's not something I'm looking for. It's something maybe I should do some therapy on. Uh, It definitely feels (laughs) unpack that. Yeah, unpack that. It's it's there's now a theme going on. I can see (laughs) as I look back. It's like it always seems to be the outsider, somebody that's marginalized, the underdog, and 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 wanting to like like affect change in in a a strong way. So I guess now the material is coming more to me, (laughs) in a sense. So it's but it's really it's. It's just finding things that I'm responding to, and it's not something that I'm trying to find, you know, deliberately. It's just in this case, it, it it was something that was happening in our house. My son was actually like involved in GameStop and and buying options and involved in this whole roller coaster, so I I lived it at the time.
0: What did you think then?
1: It was an, it was an intense experience, and he did he's very much had the trajectory of the college students in this film. He timed it perfectly. He got out that morning when it you know, it spiked at 400. The next morning was when Robinhood, which was the app they were all using, put a freeze on the buy option and it created the stock. And just that anger and that frustration, like he was keeping me abreast of all of that. And so all of that journey, that emotional weight that was happening, I got to put into the film.
0: That's so fascinating.
1: <laughs> I, I, this was such, a, such an intense moment and I think being able to like explore like so quickly after the event, it's, it, it makes it more relevant in a way. But it's also this conversation that is going on right now that started during COVID, which is this wealth disparity that's happening. And it's happening right now like in Hollywood, SAG, and with the WGA. And so it, it's part of that conversation. And I, that's, that was another reason we really wanted to get it out into the world and, and, and activate that uh it's it's hard not having the actors here to work on this uh, you know and be a part of it and, and enjoy it but I, I i appreciate that you know the message of this film is partly of what that is and this disparity of wealth going on this accountability and this transparency that is not there right now and that's you know that's what this is about this frustration that people want to be heard like and it's a collective
0: well, since the cast isn't here, indeed, if Paul, for example, would have been here, I would have asked him how many videos of Keith oh. did you watch? What do you know about his preparation I think, process? Uh,
1: unbelievable! Like, I think uh, you know, with with uh, the podcast that the actual Kevin, Keith Gill did, he would do these seven hour podcasts once a week for about a year. I th- I'm pretty sure Paul listened to all of them. Um, he just he's so methodical with his work. He was such the gatekeeper of it. I mean, literally that first podcast that we have in the film is almost verbatim what the actual first podcast was. With think, you know, how old do you think I am, grandpa, and all that. It's like from the actual podcast. And there were absolutely moments during the film where Paul would be like, hey, I heard him say this in a podcast. Maybe we can get that, weave that in. Or he didn't say it exactly like this. Can we switch that? And he really became that gatekeeper. And uh, also as we sat down, he was invaluable with Paul. As we were going through the film, it'd be like, okay, so he just got subpoenaed, he just lost his job, um, and it'd be like, great, that's a, you know, that's th- these are the real milestones in his journey. And we'd call the writers and be, like, can you write a scene about this? You know, can you write a scene when you uh, have lost thirty million dollars in twenty-four hours? Um, and so it really evolved. It was really such a, a collaboration.
0: And I've been fascinating about this idea about chemistry, especially as a as a director. What do you look for when you're casting two actors together to what is that unspeakable thing that's there
1: i think um i don't know it's it's such a hard it's such a hard thing to articulate because it's it's it really becomes like sort of a intuitive thing in a way and for it, casting is everything it's like i've been on a set in my early days where if maybe not done, made the right choice and there's there's no going back like you cannot fix it in the edit it's like So I'm very, very methodical with the casting. It's like I angst over it. I think about it very hard. It's not like a a flip thing for me in any way. And uh, I play these things out in my head and I look at the work, like, you know, when we're talking about Shailene, look at her work and make sure that I think that that's gonna work. It's like knowing, having met with Pete and hadn't like even he's actually even auditioned for me at times over the years. I was very familiar with Pete and his energy and that just like that and Paul together just excited me it's like I'm sure a lot of people are like well hang on a second how are they in the same movie but having worked with Paul you know as we were developing this Pete came in a little bit later I was just so excited to see what that would happen what would happen in the room with such different approaches to the material
0: and just to wrap up what what's next
1: um, the with, next biography <laughs> <laughs> no it's like well it's always we're still working on Corella 2 we'd love to get that uh, uh, up and running but of course with the strike Everything's up in the air right now, and there's a couple of other projects we're trying to figure out.
0: That was Craig Gillespie. Dumb Money is out now. The show was edited by Sammy Susi, and I am Laura Kramer. Thank you for listening to The Monocle Weekly.